Welcome to the never-ending quest for clarity. This is Loving Liberty with Brian Hyde. Hey, once again, welcome to the Loving Liberty program. I'm Brian Hyde, and I'm joined by my special guest, Ken Cromar, filmmaker extraordinaire. And, Ken, you're, you're a guy who's kind of unwittingly in the spotlight at this moment, too. Maybe we can elaborate oh, a little yeah. bit on, on what's going on in your life. Now, I have to tell you this because we had you back. We had you on the show, I think it was back in September, uh, about the time mm-hmm. that, uh, that the IRS auctioned off your home, yes. which they had seized yes. from you. And and I got to tell you, that is still one of the most listened to podcast episodes to date of all the ones that we've done. I didn't. I had no idea. Yeah. I did not know that. So either either it's <laughs> well, a highly it's, it's compelling the host, obviously. Well, I was going to say it's either a highly compelling story or you have extraordinary networking skills. But some some very interesting developments have come about just within yeah. the last few weeks. Can you bring us up yes. to speed and, and maybe maybe backtrack a little bit for those who are hearing yeah. about the Cromar family and, and what has been going First on? Time, yeah. Yeah, walk us through the process of what's been going on. Yeah, let me see. The, the quick story would be this. Uh, the thing that your listeners might find interesting as we're ch- chatting here is to go to YouTube and pull up IRS elite, uh, auctions Barbie and Ken's home. I'm sorry, it was IRS illegally auctions Barbie and Ken's home. If you look that up, you'll see about a 10-minute video. You'll see that Ammon Bundy and Shauna Cox and a bunch of our friends were out there at the courthouse steps September 10th of 2019 um, supporting us and saying, why are you guys doing this auction on the Cromart House? They've never had a hearing on this fabricated $1,053,000 debt that you say that they owe. Um, this is not right. This is not fair. This home is still being contested in circuit court. How could it possibly be auctioned if the process isn't done? Bottom line of the story is, is we have never seen a judge in any court at any level on this issue in this case. How is that possible? But yet, um, June 25th of last summer, we were raided by 13-plus U.S. Marshals and summarily were removed from our home, and we've been homeless ever since. We've moved 10 times, and we've had so many kind friends, so many good people that have allowed us into their homes and slipped money into our pockets and just sort of kept us alive. And we are just hanging on by our fingernails for all this time. And finally, the judge gets a, 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 a motion from the prosecutor saying, close this case and disperse the funds. We've never been in court, and we're just saying, you know what? Sorry, Judge, we're rejecting your order for fraud and swindle in dishonor, and and your your judgment is void. And so um, we had we have we still have time to re respond to that or, uh, order of the court, but we thought we needed to actually just walk into our home. So yesterday, we walked into our home, and that had been sitting here for 10 months with dust and mold and dishes still in the sink and everything. We found it left exactly as we left, which tells you something, too. But we had help from our good friends, Shauna Cox and Ryan Bundy, Ammon's brother. And we had, we've had a barbecue, and we've got lots of friends that have been coming over. We even had a couple of police officers show up, didn't we, Shauna? <laughs> and uh, they came onto the back porch and 
we immediately walked out and said, uh, excuse me, I, as the homeowner, said, officers, you need to leave from my property. Did you not see the signs at the front yard posted in the, in the corners in concrete? This is the Cromar home, and no law enforcement officer is welcome here without prior permission. You must leave now or you will face the $250,000 fee that I require for somebody coming on my property without my permission. Hello? <laughs> so so I have to ask you this, Ken. I mean, yeah. look, nobody wants to go up against the IRS. Even They, they, no. ga- they gave us a couple extra months to file our taxes, and, and I, I know for, nice. for my wife yeah. and I, we were like, well, now let's get this done. It's like yanking a bad tooth. Let's just get it over with because we don't want right. to have to, we don't want to delay or have any more chance of having to deal with them than, than we want. Nobody wants to go up against them. It's uh, it's their system, their courts, their rules, and so what you're doing here is is very bold. On the one hand, talk to me about what what uh, what changed. I mean, I know you've you've been trying to sort things out here for a few months, but what moved you to action in the last few well, days? Well, that's a really good question, and I'm trying to figure out what the easiest answer is. And I think it really is simply this. We've honestly, Ryan, and I'm going to get very personal here, we have never seen this as our fight. We've always seen it as the Lord's fight. I know that may not be PC for a radio show, but that's really simply the way we look at it. We, were, we feel like we were called to this assignment to face these people and to deal with this issue and, and highlight the truth about what the IRS is about and what true freedom is about and standing up for your freedom. Many people have said, gosh, Ken, you're just a tax cheat. You're, you're dishonest. I thought better of you. And it's, it's, like, it's like, really? I thought you knew me better. And, and I'm not a tax cheat. I, we obey the law, and the law is simply this. The, the, the people that are required to file income taxes, are you ready, Brian? Most people do not know this. But it's federal employees, people who live in Washington, D.C. area, 10-mile square, or those that live in Guam, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, and the territories. Now, Utah doesn't happen to be one of those islands, and neither is Colorado or Montana or any of the other 50 states. And, th- and that's the dirty little secret. There have been a number of IRS agents who have quit. There's a great film called From Freedom to Fascism that was made by Aaron Russo. Many have seen that. I highly recommend it. From Freedom to Fascism. IRS agents said, oh, I'm going to collect on that $50,000 um, reward for the for anyone who can find the law that requires your average American to pay uh, income taxes, and then she quits, couldn't find it, doesn't exist. Now I know this is kind of hard medicine, but some people have been kind of hard, you know, with us and said we thought we knew you better, thought you were honest, and we say, well, we've actually found that there is no law, and we're simply obeying the law. Tell you what, if you can find the law that we that we've broken, we swear to you, we'll be happy to obey it. We've talked to the IRS about it. They can't and won't show it. And if they can't and won't show it, gosh, who can? Actually, and then, and then the final follow-up question to that is, is, all right, if you're so sure that the IRS has a, a code site that includes you, maybe you could actually, I challenge you to go find it. And you sign your name to it saying, that you know that you owe it. Well, guess what? People who sign their 1040s, they're actually signing saying that they do know that they owe it. Under penalty of perjury, they're saying that. 
but they don't even know. Hmm. They couldn't tell you where the law is. And yet they signed papers saying, under penalty of perjury, I do owe this. It's just so interesting how the dark, the dark one of the, of the universe has deceived us all. We are free, and free indeed, if we will stand up for the cause of freedom and the freedom that God gave us. But he's not going to force it on us. But we do have to claim it. Well, so we're claiming it. I, I'm not so quick to dismiss uh, people who say I don't. I don't agree with you know what the, what the IRS is doing or what it purports mm-hmm. to do. And 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 there are a couple mm-hmm. reasons for this. Number one, um, there's there's the idea that uh, you know it flips the basis of our system of justice on its head, where normally you are presumed innocent until the state proves your guilt or at least shows probable cause or otherwise you know shows that there's there's a reason for action but in this case you have an agency of the government with all the force of government behind it and all the resources of government that can come everything you bet and they can come in and say you owe us this money and you're considered guilty until you prove to our satisfaction by our rules that you don't (laughs) owe this money now i mean it's that's that's a system that's rigged very heavily in their favor even yep. so, sometimes there's an appearance of due process. From what I understand about your case, it sounds like uh, you you have not received so much as a hearing to, to state it. To, to, to state Amen. your side. That's, that's exactly it. Anybody out there, they can say, well, this sounds pretty suspicious. Well, let me just say to you, go to our case. You can find it. You can Google us up and find us. And, and if you look through that docket, you will find that there has never been a hearing before the judge. And if you know anything about the Constitution and law, and you obviously do, Brian, you know that's the only thing you need to know, to know that justice has not been served. Now look, if we're crooks, it would be a pretty easy thing for the big uh, Washington, D.C. attorneys to, prosecutors to just put their finger on a law and say, look, here's the one. This is the one that the Cromars broke. This is why they owe the money. But they can't, and they won't. But what they will do is go through the charade. And so we're just saying, sorry, we're not interested in playing the game. Well, we're going sa- for our freedom. Sadly, we are conditioned to assume that uh, there must be some reason that, uh, that they yeah. have set their sights on you. Ken, we've got to take a quick break. We'll, we'll come bet. back after these messages. Ken Cromar, filmmaker, is my guest. You may think, well, this has nothing to do with me. I pay my taxes, and therefore I am safe. You know, there are a lot of people who've been on the receiving end of that government boot that felt exactly that way until suddenly that boot was on their neck. Might be worthwhile to hear what he has to say. Welcome back to Loving Liberty. Filmmaker Ken Cromar is on the telephone with me. Um, it, it's a remarkable story. I've been following this for some time, and Ken, I have to admit, um, I worry for you only because right now you're doing a pretty good impression of a nail, and, and it seems like most government agencies <laughs> walk around like they're a great big hammer looking for something to hammer down. But there's there's yeah. something that I want to I want to suggest to our listeners, and I, I'm just going to throw this out there because uh, this is an approach that I have used in my own life. And it has always given me a better understanding of what was going on than if I simply relied on either media sources or hearsay or secondhand information or rumors. And that is go to the source. If someone thinks, well, what is is Ken for real? Is your stand, you know, really the principled stand? I would say don't. 
just sit and wait for somebody to report on it, you know, from the newspaper or from the TV or whatever. Go talk to him yourself. You at, you're actually making this possible and encouraging people come and learn. And, and they may still disagree with you at the end of the day, oh, no but at least they're going to understand this guy is not the, you know, hardened tax criminal or troublemaker that others might portray you as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well said. I think you've, you've covered it. We, we have a website that was designed to actually uh, distribute a film called Miracles in God We Trust that uh, stars Stan Ellsworth, uh, the motorcycle guy from American Ride, Senator Lee's in the film. It's a great film. All. Uh, yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, uh, and anyway, we've got Kate Daly and a number of people in the film, and and that was designed for that. And so it's called MiraclesInGodWeTrust.com. But if you were to go backslash contacts, there's a place where you can send a note and ask a question if you want to press interview or whatever. Um, I have plenty of little documents that I've prepared for family and friends over time. I'd be happy to send those along to anybody who's interested. Donations can be taken. We're trying to figure out how to stay alive as we do all these things. And, uh, and actually, miraclesingodwetrust.com, uh, excuse me, the, the documentary is available on Amazon Prime for free if you have Amazon. So, uh, Amazon Prime. So, there's lots of ways to see it. Happy to mail out copies. Um, really, the whole thing is about freedom. If you don't stand up for your rights, you don't have them. If you don't know your rights, you don't have them. Uh, and when you find your rights are being in, uh, uh, encroached on, you have to stand up or they will be taken away. It's that simple. Okay, here's, and here's John a, Cox and, and, and Ryan right here, they're, they're heroes to me. Here's, here's a loaded question. Because, yeah, of the company, because of the company you find yourself in at this moment, this is why I want to ask you this <laughs> yeah. loaded question. Uh, with okay. you, with Shauna, with Ryan, is it possible to stand for your beliefs or stand for what you believe is right today without making yourself a target or, you know, with, with the approval of the public generally, is there any way that a person can actually stand for something and not experience some kind of pain? Um, historically speaking, <laughs> a lot of people have suffered pain for standing for truth. Yeah. But they're the people we look back and revere, uh, right? I mean, I'm thinking like the Apostle Paul, Jesus, uh, Joseph Smith, maybe for some, uh, and things like that, right? But you, if you, there really is something that people can do, and that's not let these people who stand up, whoever they are, be alone. Because the more people that stand together, the harder it is to um, crush and destroy them. The Bundys found that in Bunkerville, as hundreds and hundreds of people came to support them, stayed for so long. And they went to Oregon, found the same thing. And I've got to tell you, I, I don't really understand how all the details of the cases played out, but I do know this, that, of, that the government was bent on destroying them. They spent $100 million, $100 million, I believe, in Oregon, and 150 was it, in Nevada, something like that, to try and destroy these people. And when, it, the, when the case got before the jury of their peers... Case dismissed, acquitted on all charges, victory for the cause of freedom. And I believe this is the greatest story never yet told. I don't think people really know about that story. So here's, here's these people. Yeah. I want to add to what you're saying there. If all I had to go with on either what happened at Bunkerville or what happened up at uh, Malcure, if all I had to go on was what was told to me by, by the news media, 
I would think that was a bunch of criminals and dangerous people, and you know the the police uh, should have gone in there and shot them all because they were they were threatening everybody. But instead, yeah. instead, I had this advantage, and that is I went to the source, and there were a lot of people who went to the source. And here's the, this is the yep. key thing: I'm inviting people, I'm inviting those within the sound of my voice. If if before you make a judgment about Ken or any of the people who are standing with him, go to the source. Just talk to him. You don't have to. There's no obligation. They have to agree with you. But if they had a chance to talk with you, at the very least, they're going to come away with an understanding that you are not a one-dimensional caricature, which is unfortunately how most uh, news stories tend to portray individuals who make Mm -hmm. a stand. And they'll come away. They might learn something in the process and discover that, you know, this is something that could very easily happen to me as well, which comes back to the idea of... If you if you see your neighbor being harmed, what what does it how how would it not advantage you to stand up for your neighbor, knowing that you could count on others to do the same for you? But that that first step takes courage. But the good news is that courage is contagious. It is. And and you've said it so well, Brian, you've said it so well. This is really what it's all about. You know, we I, I think, generally speaking, people really want and say that they chase after truth and they want to hold on to truth and they want to stand in the truth. But you can't find the truth if you're, I mean, the true, the greater truth, unless you're willing to realize that maybe I don't know what I've always thought I've known. And if you can't be humble enough, and I'm saying this for myself, this is my prayer, my personal prayer. Father, help me understand what parts that, that I'm deceived in, in whatever so that I can eject that from my world and replace it with your truth. I believe if I could do that, get all the pieces kicked out of Ken that, that don't understand the truth, and get replace it with truth, I'd be standing right before the face of God because he's the author of all truth. If we want to have truth, we cannot be afraid that we may not have understood something correctly. We've got to be willing to face that reality. Otherwise, we'll never get more truth than what we have or what we think we have. Now, speaking of truth, I, I don't want to. I, I hate to revert to to using a meme to teach truth, but you know what? Some <laughs> some memes actually have a pretty good message here. And there's there's a shot from uh, it was from one of the Matrix trilogy movies of someone mm-hmm. talking with Morpheus, and the first person says, uh-huh. "You know, not everyone believes what you believe." To which Morpheus uh-huh. responds, "My beliefs do not require them to." And and mm-hmm. I see you taking a similar approach. You're not insisting. Everybody has to agree with me on this, but what you are asking is, please at least give me a fair hearing, or at least at least hear my side before you make up your mind. Well, you know what? I'm going to take it just a step further. I'm going to say it has really nothing to do with me. I, I, I honestly couldn't care less if anybody agrees with me or disagrees with me, because it's honestly, and I'm not trying to be, it, it's between me and my God, period. Truth is truth. That is my quest, period. Now, if, if someone doesn't believe that, that's fine. I, I would never, I don't go around trying to push anything on anybody. It's, this is just what I've discovered. But now I'm being crushed or attempted to be crushed. But thankfully, there are people who care about truth and are willing to at least give somebody the benefit of the doubt. And by law, the courts are required to give us the benefit of the doubt and, and, and give us our day in court. Hey, listen, if we're wrong, we would be, I, I mean this sincerely, just show us a law that we've broken, and we'll be happy to obey it. But we will not be forced to do something we, that we know that's not, not a law, period. Sorry. And if more of us tried to do that in every which way, not just, you know, IRS or whatever, we would have a whole different country right now. Agreed. 
We're down to about 30 seconds here, Ken. People, yeah. people who want to know more, what's the website they can go to? Miraclesingodwetrust.com. Miraclesingodwetrust.com. And if you want to ask questions or offer donations or get an interview or whatever, uh, put a backslash on there, contacts. It's the far right tab. I'll be trying to post more information there in, in the future anyway and uh, help make it easier for people. It wasn't intended to be that way, but we'll be happy to do it. Miraclesingodwetrust.com. All right. right. God, Thank you so much. God bless you, Ken, and, and be safe. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. We'll take a break. Loving Liberty continues after these messages. Trusted voices of truth and insight. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. All right, welcome back to Loving Liberty. I have to laugh. Um, part of part of what I do, in addition to standing here or sitting here and holding forth behind the microphone, um, I also produce a number of shows and podcasts for other people. And my friend Joe Carey uh, had had I thought what was one of the most timely demonstrations of of how much contempt some within the media seem to have for the average American. And, and what made it funny was, of course, you've probably seen the, the different posts and heard people talking about, did President Trump really say inject disinfectant? And so Joe had, uh, had a, uh, a bottle. I think it was a bottle of Gatorade, but he'd sit there and shake it by the microphone. Oh, don't mind this. I'm just, this is my bleach I'm supposed to drink every 15 minutes because the president told me I've got to drink bleach. And, and this is the crazy thing about it. Okay, these daily press briefings and these uh, these task force briefings on what is being done to address COVID-19. It's become, I don't know how to describe it, it's become kind of a, a journalistic form of uh, World Wrestling Federation uh, grandstanding. Who's going to have the best gotcha question for the president? And, and for the record, I'm not a Trump supporter. I don't carry water for Donald Trump. Um, I, I guess you could call me indifferent at best. Politics just doesn't really bring that much value into my life. So I'm not going to carry water for him. I'm not going to carry water for his opponents. But I do find it interesting when there's so much concentrated effort to, well, you know, the president said that you should be injecting this disinfectant. And, you know, they're, they're trying to make it sound like, uh, can you believe he was telling people, people are going to drink bleach if they listen to the president. And the insulting part to me is... I don't think this is satirical exaggeration on their part. I think this is I think this is legitimate talking down to us little people who are so stupid we wouldn't know better. Anyway, my friend Joe perfectly illustrated that uh, the shaking the the uh, bottle of bleach. <laughs> Sorry, I got to get back to drinking my bleach here. What's even more disturbing, though, is there there is a trend among some of the big uh, tech giants, and I'm talking Facebook and also uh, YouTube, to help, how can I say this, nudge the conversation and nudge the information in the direction that is most favorable to, uh, well, those who uh, 
those who are part of the the establishment, the ones who do not uh, stand with Donald Trump, the ones who uh, would stand with members of the press. The official narrative, I guess, is how I should put it, because, again, I'm trying to keep it as nonpartisan as possible. Dan Sanchez, writing for the Foundation for Economic Education, has a terrific article about this is the title YouTube to ban content that contradicts World Health Organization on COVID-19, despite the U.N. agency's catastrophic track record of misinformation. That's when you know you have a problem, when somebody has to hobble a different point of view because, well, you know, we don't want you to consider that because, you know, it might detract from this point of view that we want you to believe. Well, if it's the truth, I mean, what uh, does the truth really need help? Does does the truth need falsehood to be hobbled? I mean, I'm hearkening back to John Milton. Long time ago, pleading with the king, don't put these censorship laws into place. Let the truth stand on its own. Whoever knew the truth to be the worse for a tussle with falsehood. I'm paraphrasing, but he understood a policy there or a, a principle that let the truth come out there. Let let people give their misinformation. The truth is going to win in the end. Why? Because it's the truth. And when you think about this in terms of some of the big social media platforms or the information platforms out there, this policy of, of actually having to manipulate the content and block this content or warn you, by the way, this doesn't pass our, uh, our stringent uh, adherence to the narrative, that's actually kind of a betrayal of the, the platform's founding principles. Here's how Dan Ch- Sanchez puts it. He says, soon YouTubers will be silenced if they don't agree with the United Nations on public health. As the verdict reports, quote, YouTube will ban any content containing medical advice that contradicts World Health Organization coronavirus recommendations. That according to CEO Susan Woshiski. I'm saying her name wrong. I'm terribly sorry. End quote. She announced the policy on Sunday on CNN. World Health Organization is an agency of the U.N. charged with overseeing global public health. The verdict report continues. I'm going to try her name again. Wojcicki said that the Google-owned video streaming platform would be removing information that is problematic. She told host Brian Stetler, or Stelter rather, that this would include anything that is medically unsubstantiated. So these people saying, take vitamin C, take turmeric, will cure you. Those are the examples of things that would be a violation of our policy. She says anything that would go against World Health Organization recommendations would be a violation of our policy. And while the decision has been welcomed by many, some have accused the streaming giant of censorship. Now, Dan Sanchez says, to be clear, for American YouTubers, this kind of censorship is not a violation of their constitutional right of free speech. That's because the First Amendment protects citizens against government censorship. And YouTube is a private platform. Now, were the U.S. government to force the private owners of YouTube to continue broadcasting certain videos against their will, that would be much more a violation of the First Amendment. So while YouTube's decision isn't unconstitutional, it's still unwise, exhibiting far too much deference to central authority in general and to the World Health Organization especially. And this is why. And it's because the World Health Organization's track record hasn't exactly been stellar. Dan Sanchez says the World Health Organization is far from infallible. Its handling of information throughout the coronavirus emergency has been a long string of failures. As policy analyst Ross Marchand has recounted uh, just in an essay this last week, 
the World Health Organization failed to raise the alarm as the coronavirus rapidly spread through China during the crucial early period of the global crisis in January of this year. Then, as Marchand wrote, quote, the global bureaucracy uncritically reported the Chinese authorities had seen no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission of the novel coronavirus on January 14th, just one day after acknowledging the first case outside of China, in Thailand. World Health Organization Director General Dr. Tedros Adhanom, oh my goodness, Ghebreyesus, praised a Chinese President Xi Jinping for his political commitment and political leadership despite these repeated reprehensible attempts to keep the world in the dark about the coronavirus, end quote. So Dan Sanchez says President Donald Trump recently announced the U.S. would cease its funding of the World Health Organization over its many coronavirus-related failures. And it's not just American conservatives who've been critical. As Fee's John Miltimore wrote a month ago, Our World in Data, an online publication based at the University of Oxford, announced on Tuesday that it had stopped relying on World Health Organization data for its models, citing errors and other factors. So it isn't just those crazy right-wingers that are calling it into question. And this raises an interesting question. Would YouTube censor Oxford if it posted a video on the coronavirus issue with recommendations based on data that contradicts the World Health Organization's data? As John Miltimore wrote, recent reports suggest U.S. intelligence agencies relied heavily on World Health Organization in its national assessment of the COVID-19 threat. And he says this is gravely concerning because bad information leads to bad policies. And this is true not only for government policy like mayors, governors and heads of state deciding to largely shut down the economy in their jurisdiction, but for the policies of private decision makers like doctors, business owners and individuals making decisions about the health and overall lives of themselves and their families. Indeed. Dan Sanchez says whose misinformation or the World Health Organization's misinformation early in the crisis squandered the most precious parts of the world's prep time, which in turn likely crippled the public's responses and may have cost many lives. Now, YouTube risks compounding that tragedy by now insisting that the public's response to the coronavirus emergency conforms even more strictly with the World Health Organization's dubious pronouncements. Wojcicki wants to protect the World Health Organization's recommendations from contradiction. But those recommendations are necessarily informed by the World Health Organization's information, which has proven to be extremely suspect. Sheltering untrustworthy pronouncements risks amplifying their dangerous influence. Now, we're coming up on our break, so I'll have to pause here for a moment. But from a censorship standpoint, it's unacceptable. The idea that somebody has to decide what you can see and what you can't. And the sad truth is, look, either you make that decision or somebody else does. There really is no middle ground. It's like being a little bit pregnant. Either you choose the information that you will examine or somebody else does. But there's also the the, the notion here that if that information is wrong, can it be misused? Can it be used to to justify things that are not justifiable? You know, things like, oh, I don't know, stay-at-home orders, shutting down businesses, forcing people into poverty, food shortages, 
some of the other ripple effects that may come from that uh, we had to do this in the name of safety. If we can't question that, we're headed into some pretty uh, dangerous waters. Hey, welcome back to Loving Liberty. Man, this uh, this day is just zooming by. I want to get through the rest of this Dan Sanchez article on the Foundation for Economic Education's website. YouTube to ban content, content rather that contradicts the World Health Organization on COVID-19, despite the UN agency's catastrophic track record of misinformation. Look, I don't really like censorship in, in any form, but... This, to me, has an especially dangerous feel in the sense that we're being told there are some things you just simply cannot question. And frankly, the people who are saying you cannot question things don't exactly have a stellar reputation or this this perfectly spotless record of either telling the truth or making educated guesses that necessarily panned out. That seems to me to be a dangerous thing. And Dan... Dan Sanchez explains why censorship is so counterproductive. He says it's ironic that YouTube justifies this policy in the name of protecting the public from dangerous misinformation. He says it's true that many videos contradicting official pronouncements are themselves full of medical quackery or other misleading falsehoods. But he says censorship is the worst way to combat them. For one, censorship can actually boost the perceived credibility of an untruth. Believers interpret it as validation, evidence that they're onto a truth that is feared by the powers that be, and they use that interpretation as a powerful selling point in their underground evangelism. Censorship also insulates falsehoods from debunking because it allows them to circulate largely uncriticized in the dark corners of public discourse. This makes censorship especially counterproductive because it is open-air debunking that is one of the most effective ways to counter misinformation and bad ideas. As Justice Lewis Brandis expressed in a U.S. Supreme Court opinion, the ideal remedy for bad speech is more speech, not enforced silence. And Dan Sanchez says, again, YouTube has a right to set the terms of its service of its website. But the general principle applies here. The truth has a much better fighting chance with a proliferation of competing voices than with inquisitorial efforts to circumscribe discourse within some narrow orthodoxy. Moreover, he says, the World Health Organization's track record of misinformation is not exceptional among government organizations in neither its degree of error nor in its disastrous impact. Governments and the experts they employ not only get things wrong, but have frequently have proven to be fundamentally wrong-headed on big questions. To take another example in the realm of uh, public health, it's increasingly recognized that the high-carb, low-fat diet recommendations, as depicted by the USDA's food pyramid, and successfully, successfully promoted for decades to the population by the U.S. government and the most respected authorities on dietary science and epidemiology, it turns out was basically backward. Science journalist Gary Taub tells us the whole story of bad science, corrupt influence, and obtuse orthodoxy in his book, Good Calories, Bad Calories. Again, bad information leads to bad advice, which leads to bad choices. So how much illness 
and even death was caused by generations of Americans uncritically swallowing official diet advice and by Americans largely only having one choice on the menu of diet advice. Sanchez says the more we centralize decision-making and the management of actionable information, the wider the scope of the damage caused by any single error. But if we let a thousand errors bloom along with a thousand truths, any single error will be circumscribed in its damage and more likely to be corrected through experience and counter-argument. Now, champions of policies like YouTube's like to cast the issue in simplistic terms, a black-and-white battle between the respectable experts and the wild-eyed crackpots. But the issue is more complex than that. It's just as often a matter of overweening technocrats making pronouncements on matters that are way beyond them in complexity, that involve factors that fall way outside of their domain of expertise and that drastically impact the lives of millions or even billions. For example, a few dozen epidemiologists with limited understanding of economics and a great many other relevant disciplines holding sway over whole economies. Hypothetically. No, okay, that's that's actually happening. It's also a matter of dissenting experts being silenced along with the actual crackpots. And perhaps more fundamentally, it's a matter of weakening the individual's ability to discern between truth and falsehood, good advice and bad by denying them the responsibility and practice of doing so in the first place, of turning into self-reliant free men and women, rather than turning them into irresponsible wards to be led by the nose like dumb, deferential livestock by their expert caretakers. Now, that's not where we are, says Dan Sanchez, but that is the direction that rigid enforcement of centralized orthodoxies tends toward. So he says, let's choose a different direction. YouTube? Do better. Trust your users more. Treat them like human beings with all the capacities for learning, growth, discourse, and cooperation that are the distinctive glories of being human. After all, that is what made you great in the first place. Your very name is derived from your original faith in the individual. YouTube, a crowdsourced, individual-driven, pluralistic platform, is what made the boob tube centralized, institutionalized, and homogenizing broadcast television, largely obsolete. As such, you had a starring role in the Internet's democratization of information and learning. And Dan Sanchez says, don't betray that legacy. Come on, not now. Not when we need more open platforms for the free flow of information and discourse. We need them more than ever. I thought that was a particularly well-written essay describing the problem in front of us as well as what I think is, is really the most reasonable solution. I'll have it posted with the show notes uh, when I put this thing up for podcast shortly. One final note here. This is from Jeff Tucker from the AER, American Institute for Economic Research. You've heard the term blowback. You've probably seen it play out. We've seen it in a lot of different foreign policy decisions, for instance. Well, Jeff Tucker is warning that there will be blowback in mostly good ways as a result of what we are currently going through. Listen to how he spells this out. He says, two months ago, it had been mandatory in my local grocery to use only shopping bags brought from home. Plastic bags were illegal by local ordinance. Then the virus hit. Suddenly, the opposite was true. It was illegal to bring bags from home because they could spread disease. Plastic bags were mandatory, and he says, as a huge fan of plastic bags, I experienced profound schadenfreude. He says, it's amazing how the prospect of death clarifies priorities. And he says, uh, some of the priorities that we're going to see 
will be defined by forms of blowback in the wake of both the disease and the egregious policy response as a much needed corrective. And he says the thing you can't is you can't take away everybody's rights, put a whole people under house arrest and abolish the rule of law without generating a response to that in the future. By the way, the mom getting arrested in Idaho for taking her kids to the playground. That's the beginning of blowback. So Tucker says he sees blowback against media for the way that they have reported on this, the way that they have sensationalized. He says the media has been nearly in lockstep on the need for lockdown forever and on the claim that the virus is universally lethal for everyone. They've been wrong. So trust in the media is is in decline. That is a good form of blowback. Also, he says there will be blowback against politicians. He says, you do recall, don't you, that governors and mayors who imposed the lockdowns never asked the citizens about their views about instantly getting rid of all rights and freedoms. In fact, they didn't consult legislatures. They didn't consult a range of expert opinion or pay attention to any serious demographic data showing how utterly preposterous it was to force non-vulnerable populations into house arrest while trapping vulnerable populations in nursing homes that became COVID-soaked killing fields. Trust in politicians, it's getting a bit thin. By the way, Idaho's governor today announced mandatory vaccinations are going to be the necessity before they can lift all the various uh, restrictions that, that he has imposed on his state. Let's hope there's some blowback. There's going to be blowback against environmentalism. What is her name? Uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Sorry, AOC. Anyway, she was uh, gloating with the low price of oil. Finally, something good for the environment. It's like a Green New Deal. Never mind the people who are being affected, the jobs lost, the livelihoods lost, the goods not being delivered. Yeah, this is all good. Why? Because it benefits my agenda. Good. There should be some blowback against that form of anti-human environmentalism. Blowback against social distance. Jeff Tucker says, once again, the handshake will become what it began as a sign of mutual trust. We're going to see blowback against regulation, blowback against digital anything, blowback against anti-work, blowback against experts telling us to shut up, they explained. Blowback against academia. Blowback against unhealthy lifestyles and blowback against spending, particularly government spending. That's actually pretty good news. I like his list. I'll post it with the show notes. You can check it out for yourself. Go to LovingLiberty.net. That's where you'll find today's podcast episode. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll catch up with you on Monday. Monday.